Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life. Have you guys ever had a moment in time that completely changed your perspective on something? I mean, a moment that really just rocked your world and, and, and completely kind of flipped things upside down for you. You ever had a moment like that? Yeah, for some of you guys, it was when you realized that Hannah Montana and Miley Cyrus was the same person, you know, and just didn't know what to believe anymore. For me, it was a moment when I was a kid and um, that, that just completely shook me. It, it was a time that I walked in on my parents and they were, um, they were doing something that just uh, completely turned my life upside down. Yeah, they, they were wrapping Christmas presents. And um, yeah, just didn't know what to believe anymore. I actually have a picture of it up here. Yeah, this is me still kind of in shock, you know, to think that an elf did not wrap my T-wing fighter there. Uh, TIE fighter, I'm sorry. TIE fighter, thank you for that very important correction right there. But it was a moment that, that you know, just kind of shook me, rattled me. Today, I want us to look at a story in Scripture where Simon Peter not only had his perspective changed, he had the entire course of his life changed. And graduates, this is important for you because the principles in this story apply to your life where you are right now. But you know what? They also apply to your parents' life, your brothers' and sisters' life. Everyone here, these same principles apply to. In Luke chapter 5... Verses 1 through 11, and if you want to open up the Sugar Hill app, you can follow along in notes there, or you can follow along on the screens. We see a story that is referred to as the great catch. It's a story about fishing, but much more than that. It's also referred to as the first disciples, and in Luke chapter 5, verse 1, it says, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of uh, Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from the shore. And then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. So here's the deal. Jesus has begun his public ministry and Jesus was doing things that were incredible. He's turning water into wine. He's healing people who are sick. And the word is spreading about Jesus. And at this point, Jesus had become a bit of a rock star. He was famous. And people were coming from all over because they wanted to find out who is this Jesus. And one day, he's at um, the Sea of Galilee, or Lake Gennesaret. And he's standing by the sea and his some of y'all who have been there know it's not actually a sea, it's a big lake. And uh, it's a lake that's fed by the Jordan River and it dumps into the Dead Sea. And I want you to picture as he's standing by the Sea of Galilee, it is about the same size and surface area as Lake Lanier. So Jesus is down by the lake. Large crowds are gathering around him, find out who is this Jesus. Let's check him out. And they're pushing in on him so much, he did something that's not 
all that uncommon during the time to talk to him. There's two boats, and he pushes out in one of the boats, and the people could sit on the hillside, and he could go out from them a bit and use the water kind of to help with acoustics, and they could all hear him on the boat. Well, the boat he happens to pick this day is that of Simon Peter. Now, it's important to note, this is not Peter's first encounter with Jesus. Back in John chapter 1, we see that Peter's brother Andrew came very excitedly and hurriedly to Peter and said, Hey, Peter, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, come and meet him. And Pete runs and he meets Jesus and Jesus, like right off the bat, says, Peter, or Simon, I'm going to change your name. What he's saying here is, I'm going to change your identity. Oh, okay, Jesus. It's kind of weird when you first meet someone that says, dude, I'm, I'm about to change your life here. That's John chapter 1. So Peter knew who Jesus was. And in fact, in Luke chapter 4, the chapter right before this, Jesus went by Peter's house and his mother-in-law was sick. And Jesus touched her and Jesus healed her. So when Jesus shows up at the lake this day and he gets in Simon Peter's boat and he says, Simon, let's push out. Let's go out into the water so I can talk to these people. Simon Peter would have called himself a follower of Jesus. But we're about to see he wasn't truly following Jesus. Students, liken it to an Instagram follow here. Some of y'all got eight bazillion followers on Instagram. You don't really know these people. You're not really doing life with them. You just follow them. Now, it's important here to realize about Peter's faith that you cannot live off of someone else's faith. Today at the Grad Recognition Lunch, we're going to give these booklets to our graduates that they actually spent this whole last semester in senior small group writing. And it's 10 principles for how to thrive in your faith in college. And they actually wrote action steps of how to implement each one of these principles. And the number one principle in here where it all starts is your relationship with God is personal. Andrew had brought Peter to Jesus and he realized we have found the Messiah, the Savior, that is the Christ. And Pete says, cool, that's awesome. And he considered himself a follower and he went around and he observed Jesus and he knew a lot about Jesus. Jesus had even done things in his life, but we're about to see he was not truly following Jesus. Graduates, as you go off to college, your relationship with God is personal. You can't live off your mama's faith. You can't live off your daddy's faith or your brother's faith. Just as Peter could not live off of the faith of his brother. So here's what happens here. Jesus gets in the boat and he pushes out in verse 4. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Now, Peter was a professional fisherman. That's what he did. That's how he made his living. That's how he brought home the bread. And Jesus gets in the boat and says, Pete, let's push out, and I want you to drop your nets out in the deep water. Here's the problem with this. This didn't make no sense. Because at this time, in this lake, how you fished, you would fish at night, and you would fish in shallow water. Now we have Jesus 
who's telling Peter, push out into deep water in the daytime and drop your nets. Peter, we're about to see, responds in a way that shows he really wasn't buying this. Peter's response in verse 5. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. It's interesting, he calls him master. The Greek word here is epistatis. It's a respectful term of authority, but not one that recognizes deity. You know what Peter's saying? Jesus said, Peter, drop your nets in the deep water. And Pete says, all right, Jesus, with all do respect. I can imagine he is thinking, what in the world? Jesus, you're a carpenter. I'm a fisherman. You're a preacher. I do this for a living. You're telling me to do something that's crazy, that makes no sense, that goes completely against everything I know in my mind is right. Have you ever had God lead you to do something that didn't make any sense? Look at what Peter says here. Master, we worked all night, all, hard all night. We haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down my nets. You know what he says? Jesus, you crazy. This makes no sense what you're asking me to do. But out of respect for you, I'm going to do, I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to do what you ask me to do. There's been times in my life where God has led me to do something that made no sense. Back in 2010, after the big Haiti earthquake, I remember sitting at my desk looking at images on my computer of children who were hurt and injured and buried alive in the earthquake and saying, God, this is messed up. This doesn't make any sense to me. Would you please send someone to help these children? And clear as day, the Lord spoke to me and said, Tripp, why are you always praying I send someone else to do something? You go. That made no sense to me sitting at my desk at my church, not even knowing where Haiti was exactly. And God said, Tripp, you pick up, you go to Haiti, and you go right now. But what I discovered is the same thing Peter discovered, that you can trust the word of God. And when God tells you to do something, you better do it. And it changed the course of my life. Here's the first defining moment for Peter. He responds in obedience to Jesus. Even though it didn't make sense, even though God was telling him something that made no sense, he responds in obedience. And check out the result here in verse 6. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled for their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Check this out. Against the backdrop of their failure, God demonstrates what happens when you trust him. Students, some of y'all have been itching because it's been like 20 minutes since you've sent out a social media post. If you want something to tweet, tweet this right here. When God directs our work, we see results. 
When God directs our work, we see results. These guys fished all night, and they were good at it. They knew what they were doing, but when they did it God's way, they saw results. Some of us have been going through life, and relationally, with relationships, we've been trying to do it our way. We see no results. In our business, we see no results. In our family, we see no results. Here's a crazy idea. Why don't we try to do it God's way and just trust that he's God and he's big enough to take care of the results? See, God showed that he's not only all-knowing, he knew where the fish was, where they were. He, he showed he's all-powerful. He can make those fish jump in that net. That he can blow their minds. In times in my life, man, I just want to kick myself because I forget that when God says something, God's big enough to deliver on his word. God's words can always be trusted. Whenever I get sick, probably whenever you get sick too, we go to a doctor, right? And I go to my doctor, I go to my buddy Bruce, who's a doctor, and I say, Bruce, I'm not feeling good. And he pokes and jabs and does all this weird stuff on me, and he says, I know what you need. And he gets his little prescription pad out, and he scribbles something on it that's illegible, looks like an artwork from a, a kindergartner. And he says, take this to a pharmacist, and you'll be good to go. I got no clue what it says. But I take that piece of paper to a pharmacist, and I hand it to the pharmacist, and they pour pills in a bottle, they mix stuff up, and they give it to me. And I take that medicine, and I put it into my body, not having a clue what it is or even how to pronounce it. Now, that is not blind faith, because I trust the credentials of the doctor who gave it to me. See, that doctor, my buddy, I don't trust him because he's my buddy. I trust him because behind his name he has MD. And that means he's qualified to write something on that paper I don't understand. You know what Pete is about to realize here? That behind Jesus' name he has L-O-R-D. And that because he is Lord, because he's God, he has all authority to speak truth into Peter's life. Students, when you go to college, do not let Professor Wine and Cheese try to sway you from your faith. God is God, and his truth is truth. That's why we say around here, and Chuck just said it, the Bible is a big deal. Why is it a big deal? Because it's the word of God, and you can count on it. As Peter responds in obedience, he realized the truth of Ephesians 3.20 that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could think or dream or even imagine. Let's look at what happens in verse 8 here. When Simon Peter saw this, that's two boats sinking full of fish, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, Go away from me. Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish. That they had just taken. Here's the second defining moment in Peter's life. He acknowledges Jesus for who he is. He acknowledges Jesus for who he is. Notice what Peter calls him now. Previously he had called him master, clearly a term of respect. But now he calls Jesus Lord. The Greek word translated means, He to whom a person or thing belonged about which he has power of deciding. It comes from the word kurios, which means supremacy. 
Peter now sees Jesus for who he is. He realizes that the one who can see the depths of the lake can see the depths of his heart and look, students, at how he responds. In realizing the supremacy of Christ, in realizing he's on a boat in the presence of God in human flesh, look what he does. He falls at his feet. Pete goes from looking at the biggest blessing, the biggest catch of his life, to now looking at the blessor. And see what he does here? In the terror of realizing his sinfulness, he says, go away from me. As Peter realizes the supremacy of Christ, as he realizes he's in the presence of God, he falls on his knees, he's on his face before God, the only appropriate response when we realize who God is and who we are. And realizing the sinfulness of his heart, he says, me and you can't hang out together. Your holiness and my sinfulness, they, this doesn't work. And so he says, get away from me. This can't be. But notice here, As Peter says, get away from me, Jesus draws Peter close. In verse 10, he says, don't be afraid. See, this is the beauty of repentance right here. This is the beauty of realizing our sinfulness and God's holiness. Repentance is the place that we exchange our sin for God's grace. Repentance is a place we exchange our sin for God's grace. Sometimes we view repentance as such an ugly thing, as such a bad thing of, oh, I don't want to repent, as such an ugly, dark, oh, painful thing. But here's the deal. When in fact it is such a beautiful thing, repentance is responding to an invitation to experience God's best. It's responding to an invitation to experience God's best. Jesus responds, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. I will make you a fisher of men. Don't miss, Jesus not only draws Peter close in repentance, but he tells Peter, Peter, I want to use you as my instrument. Dude, you, you don't have to get away from me. You don't have to run from me. You don't have to hide in your sin. I want the opposite. I want to draw you close. I want to forgive you, and I want to use you for my glory and for my purposes. See, Peter's life is changed when he gets Jesus right. If you have a camera, could you pull it out right now? If it's something, maybe it's on your phone. Go ahead and open it up. And I want to show you something that Chuck says all the time to us here. Now, uh, this is an iPhone. I have no clue how it works. I know I hit buttons and cool things happen, right? But on my camera app here, it is basically dummy proof. All right, hold your cameras up. I want you to take a picture of something. Doesn't matter what it is right now. But I want you to notice on your camera, the way this camera is designed, I've got one job. 
My job is whatever I want in the picture is to get it in this box and then I tap on it to get it in focus. Now I want you to notice this. Our lives are the same way as this camera. When, when I get something in focus right here, I don't have to worry about, okay, what, what's happening to the lens here? Uh, what's happening? How, how does this whole pro? I don't have to worry about that. Why? Because the, the designer of this iPhone made it, if I get whatever I want in the picture in focus, everything else takes care of itself. I don't have to develop any film. I don't have to understand. I don't have to do all this. Now check it out. Our lives are the same way. If we get the right thing in focus in our lives, y'all try it right here. If we get the right thing in focus in our lives, we don't have to worry about the rest of it. Chuck says all the time, if you get Jesus right, you don't have to worry about the rest. Everything else seems to work itself out. That's why we say Jesus is the biggest deal. Students, if you hear anything, if you have heard anything in the teaching at Sugar Hill Church, hear your pastor when he says Jesus is the biggest deal. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Things in this world are going to change. Your culture is going to change. What's cool is going to change. Jesus never changes. So when Pete gets Jesus right, check out his life, the course, the direction of his life immediately changes. He realizes the words of Romans eleven thirty six that it's all about Jesus. From him, through him, for him are all things. To him be all the glory. And in verse 11, so they pulled their boats up on shore. They left everything and they followed him. The third defining moment in Peter's story here is he drops his nets and he allows Jesus to redirect his life. He drops his nets. He forsakes all to follow Christ. Shifting the view of his future, his career, his dreams. They left everything. Now imagine this. This is the biggest catch of his life. And in view of God's holiness and realizing the identity and the supremacy of Christ, he drops it all and he walks away from it. I don't know about y'all, I probably would have tried to sign Jesus up for my fishing company. I'd been like, Jesus, hey, man, let's work out something here, man. All right, come here, dude. That cool thing you did with all those fish, how about this? How about you sign this contract? Man, we partners now. I'll give you 10% of everything we catch. No, better yet, I'll give you 25% of what we catch. Here's the thing. We try to sign Jesus up to follow us, but it's all about Jesus. It is all about Jesus. Students, some of y'all are thinking right now, well, I'm going to do good. I'm going to go off to college, and I'm going to make room in my heart and in my life for Jesus. Here's the thing. He don't want a room in your heart. He wants all of your heart. He doesn't want you to change uh, or fit him into your plans. He wants you to abandon everything to follow him. It's all about him. You might have dreams. You might have desires. That's awesome. He may have something bigger for your life. We've talked about in small groups the difference between 
an occupation, which comes from the word to take up space, a job, something to do, to vocation, which means calling. Don't miss this, graduates. That is exactly what Jesus is doing in Peter's life right here. He has given him a sense of significance and purpose and calling. Peter drops his net because he realizes that God has a call for him. Might be some parents here saying, hold on, you mean if I follow Jesus, he's going to want to change my career? Most likely not. But he wants to give you a new perspective on the calling you have in your career. You say, well, I'm a doctor. No, no, you're not. As a follower of Jesus, you're not a doctor. You are a representative of God in the medical profession. So the medical profession can see what God looks like when God helps hurting people. Well, I'm a businessman. Nope, wrong. You're a representative of God in the business world, so the business world will see what God looks like when God puts a deal together. I'm a teacher. No. You're a representative in the classroom of what God looks like when God teaches a lesson. Lesson, Students, you say, well, I'm just a student. No, 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 no. Uh-uh, you, you're not just a student. You're an ambassador of Jesus Christ as you develop your mind for the glory of God on the biggest mission field in the world. See, he wants to give you a sense of purpose. He wants to give you a sense of calling. And your calling is to reflect the purposes of God through whatever vehicle he has given you. See, Peter realized that day that the word of God is a big deal. He realized that Jesus is the biggest deal. And now he realizes that he demonstrates those two truths by dropping his nets and serving. Displaying the love and the message of God. Students, because he is God, you can trust him. And in trusting him, allowing him to direct your path, you can experience the very best for your life. See, before this life-defining fishing trip, Peter would have said that he was a follower of Jesus. He wasn't a follower of Jesus. But on this day, when he responds in obedience to God, he realizes who Jesus is and he drops everything and says, I trust, I put my hope and faith in your plan for my life. I receive this calling that you have for me. When he walked off the beach that day, know that his colors were clear. Students, what our college campuses need, what our high school campuses need, what our workforce needs, are followers of Jesus whose colors are clear. They demonstrate the Bible's a big deal. They demonstrate Jesus is the biggest deal by the way they serve and the way they love. There's a story told in 1980 of a Rwandan man who was asked by his tribe to renounce his faith in Christ or die. He said, I will not deny my Lord, and he was killed on the spot. Among his things was found a piece of paper, and on that paper, students, it said, Fellowship of the Unashamed. And it read like this. It says, I'm part of the fellowship of of the unashamed. The die has been cast. I've stepped over the line. The decision has been made. 
I'm a disciple of his and I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm done and finished with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, mundane talking, cheap living, and dwarf goals. I no longer need preeminence, lavish wealth, position, promotion, plaudits, or popularity. I don't have to be right, or first, or tops, or recognized, or praised, or rewarded. I live by faith. I lean on His presence. I walk by patience. I lift by prayer. I labor by Holy Spirit power. It said, my face is set. My gate is fast. My goal is heaven. My road may be narrow, my way rough, my companions few, but my God is reliable and my mission, students, my mission is clear. Therefore, I will not be bought or compromised or detoured or lured away or turned back or deluded or delayed. I won't flinch in the face of sacrifice. I won't cower in the presence of the adversary. I will not negotiate at the table of the enemy or ponder in the pool of popularity or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, or let up until I've stayed up, stored up, preached up, prayed up for the cause of Jesus Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus. I must give until I drop. I must preach until all know and I must work and when he, until he comes. And when he does come for his own, he'll have no problem recognizing me for my colors will be clear. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. Students, that statement was written by someone who had a clear view of who Jesus was. And in the face of who Jesus was, fell on their knees before him and said, God, it is all about you. It has always been about you. It'll never stop being about you. I am all in for you. Students, today can be a defining moment for you. Parents, today can be a defining moment for you too. My question is this, have you fully acknowledged Jesus for who he is? Not living off of someone else's faith, not saying, oh no, I'm good with God. See my mom and my dad. No, I don't care about that. Have you fallen on your knees and said, Jesus is Lord of my life. God, forgive me of my sin. It's all about you. Have you responded in obedience to him, even when it's crazy, even when it doesn't make sense. God, you're God, you're qualified to tell me crazy things because you are the creator of life. Ma'am, sir, have you dropped your nets and said, I don't want to have an occupation. I want to have a calling and I want to honor God and I want to glorify God, whether it's through a student, whether it's through being a teacher, an accountant, a judge, whatever God's given me to do. I'm all in. My colors are clear. Let's bow our heads together. Today, if you have never responded to the supremacy of Christ, would you today fall on your knees before him? Would you cross the line and say, Jesus, I'm all in. It is all about you.
you're here today and maybe you've been living off of someone else's faith and you would say I've never crossed the line I've never acknowledged my sin before God and put my hope and faith in Jesus and in Jesus alone to save me if that's you with no one looking around would you just raise your hand this morning so I can pray for you I've never put my hope in faith in Jesus myself thank you anyone else yes if that's you would you let today be your defining moment would you pray right now and say God forgive me of my sin I know that because of what Jesus did on the cross I don't have to run away from you I know you want to draw me in and you want to forgive me. And not only that, you want to use me. So I put my hope and my faith in you today. Maybe you're here and God's been asking you to do something that makes no sense. And today you just need to say, God, I'm going to trust. I'm going to drop my nets where it makes no sense to put them. I trust you. Today, if you've never really received that sense of calling on your vocation, would you say, God, I want to use all I am for all that you are. I want to honor you in absolutely everything. And Father God, may today truly be a defining moment in each of our hearts you tell us that if anyone would come after you they must deny themselves daily and follow you father just like peter may we deny ourselves now may we put all of our faith all of our hope in you and god may we display that even as we walk out of these doors today by serving and loving. God, we thank you and praise you that you're a God of grace and that you're a God of mercy. May we get Jesus right today. And we thank you in advance for those results. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. For more information and to find out more about our church, please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com.